Section 26 of Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens. The Boyhood of Fionn, Chapter 14. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Farnad Jahangiri. Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens. The Boyhood of Fionn, Chapter 14. He listened to the retreating footsteps until they could be heard no more, and the one sound that came to his tense ears was the beating of his own heart. Even the wind had ceased, and there seemed to be nothing in the world but the darkness and himself. In that gigantic blackness, in that unseen quietude and vacancy, the mind could cease to be personal to itself. It could be overwhelmed and merged in space, so that consciousness would be transformed or dissipated, and one might sleep standing. For the mind fears loneliness more than all else, and will escape to the moon rather than be driven inwards on its own being. But Vion was not lonely, and he was not afraid when the sun of Midnight came. A long stretch of the silence night had gone by, minute following minute in a slow sequence, wherein as there was no change there was no time, wherein there was no past and no future, but a stupefying, endless present, which is almost the annihilation of consciousness. A change came then, for the clouds had also been moving, and the moon at last was sensed behind them, not as a radiance, but as a percolation of light, a gleam that was strained through matter after matter, and was less than the very wraith or remembrance of itself, a thing seen so narrowly, so sparsely, that the eye could doubt if it was or was not seeing and might conceive that its own memory was recreating that which was still absent. But Fionn's eye was the eye of a wild creature that spies on darkness and moves there wittingly. He saw then not a thing but a movement, something that was darker than the darkness it loomed on, not a being but a presence, and as it were impending pressure. And in a little he heard the deliberate pace of that great being, Fion bent to his spear and unloosed his coverings. Then from the darkness there came another sound, a low sweet sound, thrilling, joyous, thrillingly low, so low the ear could scarcely note it, so sweet the ear wished to catch nothing else and would strive to hear it rather than all sounds that may be heard by man. The music of another world, the unearthly, dear melody of the she. So sweet it was the sense strained to it, and having reached must follow drowsily in its wake, and would merge in it, and could not return again to its own place until that strange harmony was finished, and the ear restored to freedom. But Fionn had taken the covering from his spear, and with his brow pressed close to it, he kept his mind and all his senses engaged on that sizzling murderous point. The music ceased, and Aileen hissed a fierce blue flame from his mouth, and it was as though he hissed lightning. Here it would seem that Fionn used magic, for spreading out his fringed mantle he caught the flame. Rather he stopped it, for it slid from the mantle and sped down into the air to the depth of twenty-six pence, from which that slope is still called the Glen of the Mantle, and the rise on which Aelan stood is known as the Art of Fire. 
One can imagine the surprise of Aileen MacMedna, seeing his fire caught and quenched by an invisible hand, and one can imagine that at this check he might be frightened. For who would be more terrified than a magician who sees his magic fail, and who, knowing of power, will guess at powers of which he has no conception and may well dread? Everything had been done by him as it should be done. His pipe had been played and his tympan. All who heard that music should be asleep, and yet his fire was caught in full course and was quenched. Aelan, with all the terrific strength of which he was master, blew again, and the great jet of blue flame came roaring and whistling from him and was caught and disappeared. Panic swelled into the man from fairy. He turned from that terrible spot and fled, not knowing what might be behind, but dreading it as he had never before dreaded anything, and the unknown pursued him, that terrible defense became offense, and hung to his heel and as a wolf pads by the flank of a bull. And Aelin was not in his own world. He was in the world of man, where movement is not easy, and the very air a burden. In his own sphere, in his own element, he might have outrun Fune, but this was Fune's world, Fune's element, and the flying god was not gross enough to outstrip him. Yet what a race he gave, for it was but at the entrance to his own she that the pursuer got close enough. Fionn put a finger into the tongue of the great spear, and at that cast night fell on Aelin MacMedna. His eyes went black, his mind whirled and seized. There came nothingness where he had been, and as the burgher whistled into his shoulder blades, he withered away. He tumbled emptily and was dead. Fionn took his lovely head from his shoulders and went back through the night to Tara. Triumphant Fionn, who had dealt death to a god, and to whom death would be dealt, and who is now dead. He reached the palace at sunrise. On that morning all were still early. They wished to see what destruction had been wrought by the great being, but it was the young Fionn they saw, and that redoubtable head swinging by its hair. What is your demand? said the artery. The thing that it is right I should ask. The thing that it is right I should ask, said Fionn. The command of the Fiona of Ireland. Make your choice, said Con to Gulmore. You will leave Ireland, or you will place your hand in the hand of this champion and be his man. Gull could do a thing that would be hard for another person and he could do it so beautifully that he was not diminished by any action. Here is my hand, said Gull, and he twinkled at the stern young eyes that gazed on him as he made his submission. End of chapter 14 Recording by Fano Jahangiri End of The Boyhood of Fiyam